Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, A Current Life, A Future Death, and a Final destination. Pray with me. God, thank you for the life you've given us. God, I thank you for the choices before us, Father. And I pray that right now you'd anoint me to say the things that would honor you, God. I pray that you'd teach us what you'd have us to know. Father, I pray for each person in this room, Lord, that you would have your way in our life. God, I pray for those who come in today hurting, that you would be their help. For those who come in lost, that you would be their salvation. God, for those who come in that are your children, God, I pray you'd speak to us and encourage us from your word by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. A current life, a future death, and a final destination. I've been saying this for an entire 19-year history of our church because I always read the scripture and announce the sermon, pray, and then get into it. But I just believe one day that I'm going to read the Scripture, going to announce the title. Listen, if you're in Christ at all, if, if you know much about God at all, uh, you, you, your heart ought to be thrilled for just reading the title of this sermon title. Because you know you've got a life, you've got, you got a death, and you've got a destination. And if you're saved and you know you're saved, if you're saved and you, you're walking with God and in love with God, then you can be excited about the sermon all by itself. Amen? Just the title. But we all come from different backgrounds. We're all different people. We, we've got different mindsets, different viewpoints, and, and that's okay. It, see, here's one thing that people don't seem to understand in 2020. It is okay to disagree on most everything. I, I mean, I love Henry West as much as anybody in the world. He's a Florida State Seminole. And I thank God they lost yesterday. So, I know, because you were going to say something about the Gators losing. So, but he can choose whichever team he wants to. He don't care that for decades Florida State was an all-girls school that just barely learned how to recently play football. He don't care that Florida State is the only Division I school that ever won a national football championship that also, the same year, had a man elected as their school's homecoming queen. He don't care about all that. Factual information, by the way. He don't care, and I don't care that he don't care. We can disagree on that. Uh, we can disagree on lots of things. It seems like in this world today, people and, and listen, you can see it. People freak out. You can go to YouTube and watch. People freak out. If you disagree with them... They just start screaming and hollering and, 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 and ah, you, you're, you're threatening my life. Uh, no, I just disagreed with you. You want to do what? No, I'm just, I just have an opinion, and it's okay to have an opinion. One of the things that Christians have done to the detriment of the body of Christ is divided churches against each other based on difference of opinion. And I believe that we can dif disagree on all things but one. And that one thing that we've got to agree on as the body of Christ is that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He said that. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. Short of that, we can have discussion. Short of that, you can have an opinion. Listen, we're going to have a fantastic chili cook-off, whether you come or not, and there's going to be different types of chili there, and you might like some that I don't like. Some of y'all like hot food. I don't get it. Sweating on the top of your head, eyes burning, just look like you're paining you to eat it. Uh, hey, but that's you. Do you? It's okay to have 
differences of opinion. We all have different ideas and come from different backgrounds. But, but here's the bottom line. Uh, each one of us has only one life to live. And that's this current life. And I want you to get current life in your mindset. Because with the advent of video games, uh, is there anybody in the room? It's a one word that I'm looking for. It's only one word I'm looking for. The first nationally recognized video game in the history of the world. Pong. Exactly. Pong, when Atari came out with Pong, it was the first video game that ever swept the nation. All right, y'all pay attention now. Put your arms down. Pong. Everybody's wondering why you got your hands on your head. Pong was the first game that ever came out. And then video games just started taking over. But here's what video games did to give us faulty information. You know, if you don't like a video game, if you don't like the way it's going, you can always restart. If you don't like the way it's going and it won't restart, you can just shut it off. I can remember uh, playing video games with people who would get mad and they would just hit the pow, pow and get up and walk out of the room. I'm not going to point at anybody. I, video games gave people this concept of we can just start over. And then, when the, you know, and then the, the, the first really, really, really popular video game that came out with, with, with all the killing going on. Uh, anybody know what the first killing popular game was? James Bond 007. James Bond 007 came out where, it, it was, I mean, you could shoot people in the knee and their knee would go out like that. I'm not advocating. I'm just telling you. But what would happen is James Bond would get shot. And in all these video games, they give you a certain amount of lives to live. Like you get three lives, five lives, seven lives, or just hit restart, 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 and start all over again. And it gave us the faulty perception that I'll just start over. And here's the reality. As long as you have breath in your body, you can keep starting over. But the start over button for this current life is limited. Say limited. The life that you're living right now, this current life is all that you have. There is no um, reincarnation. You're not going to come back as a butterfly. You're not going to come back as a giraffe. There, there, you, you can't meet one person that's ever documented any proof behind that. And, there, and there's no biblical evidence to that. The life that you have right now, this is it. And, and, and so you have a current life. I want you to focus on the fact that it's a current life because so many people are looking down the road all the time. Too many people live in that fairy tale land that I've talked to you about before called gonna do land gonna do oh when 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 things get better i'm gonna do this or when when so and so i'm gonna do that or when this happens i'm gonna start reading my bible or i'm gonna start i'm gonna do i'm gonna hey gonna do never got anything done and if you don't start embracing your place, if you don't start living in the now, if you don't start realizing that you've got one current life and hear me good it's passing if you don't think it's passing, talk to somebody with some age on them. If you don't think that it's going to go by quickly, talk to somebody who's lived for a few years, and they'll let you know. Doesn't seem that long ago. I promise you this. Uh, hey, you probably can remember bowling. Still, I'm talking about when, you, when, when, you, when, when, when newspapers were writing you up and, and talking about you and, and making your mama proud of you. Uh, I, the, it, it doesn't seem like that long ago. I mean, you can probably look back to your youth and say, you know, I remember being a young man. I remember high school. Uh, you probably had hair back then. See? Now look. See what happens? And, and talk to somebody, everybody in this room. Uh, I mean, Sergeant Major probably, Dick Dixon probably remember when he was in the Army. <laughs> How long you been out of the army? Eleven years. But you can probably remember when you were a young soldier. And 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 time goes, time goes, time goes, and then you get so old you don't remember anymore. But in that process, it 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 listen. Let me tell you how people get old. Let me tell you how your life passes you by, one day at a time. One day at a time. And if you don't get busy living your current life, then you're going to be one of those people that gets to the end. And ask yourself, where did it all go? Where did the time go? It seems like just yesterday we were here, and now 
It's the end. If you don't pay real close attention, then you're going to realize the reality that days turn into weeks and weeks turn into months. Months turn into years and years turn into decades. And you still be stuck in what you're going to do. And I'm here today to try to pry you up out of what you're going to do and get you involved in your current life because you only have one current life. This is, this is not some trial run. This is not a practice test. This isn't like playing golf with your buddy. You don't get a mulligan and get to hit the ball again. This is it. You'll never have this day to live over again. My question to you, are you going to make the most out of it? Mm, we got a current life. We got a future death. I know a lot of people don't like to talk about death. I'm okay with that. Uh, but the reality is the Bible says it is appointed unto all of us to die. You've got an appointment with death. There's a day. I mean, y'all have heard my story. My, my stuff just needs to be written down. I've already got my little headstone uh, in the ground next to Gail. It says Scott C. Becker, August 6, 1963, dash. It's got a little plate there. They're just going to throw a new plate on there. It's going to have a day on it. It, it might say October 11, 2020. It's going to have a date on it one day. Uh, but between now and that time, these are the only days that I have and they're the only days that you have because there is a day coming when this life will be over. And thinking about a current life and a future death, there is a final destination. And I tell you what, if we were serious enough about God, I, I've already read the scripture, I've already talked enough. If you were serious enough about God, you already heard enough right now where you can make a decision for Christ. Because there are people in this room, you know you're not saved. You know you're not on your way to heaven. You know if you died today, and people die every day, you don't know when your day is going to come. I've had so many people tell me, well, when I get old, I'll, I'm going to get right with God. Oh, you're back and going to do again. Or, or when, when, I, when I graduate, I'm going to. Listen, we don't know when the end comes, but we do know the end is coming. And there's a current life, a future death, and a final destination. Let's look at the Scripture. I'm just going to read through uh, this, these uh, few verses in this passage and pull some things out to try to share with you what God is saying. In verse 19, Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. So this man is, we're told about this man. What, what do we see about this certain man that he was what? It's a rich man. So there's this rich man. He's dressing big and he's living big. And this is where our story starts. There's this certain man. He's got great clothing. He's living every day in luxury. Now here comes the contrast in verse 20. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. So we see there's a rich man and there's a poor man. We don't see the rich man's name, but we see the poor man was named Lazarus. Not only is he poor, he's disabled. He's disabled, possibly paralyzed at some point, Definitely not capable of moving himself. How do we know somebody be a Bible scholar and, and, and look at the, the fourth word in the verse and tell me how we know that this man is disabled? Because they lay him. He didn't walk to the gate. They lay him at the gate. This man was carried and dropped off uh, at the rich man's gate. He has got some type of physical malady. Not only is he poor, but he's broken in body. Let me tell you something about being poor. You don't know who in this room has been poor and who hasn't been poor. I was just sharing, uh, Vicki and uh, I and a couple people were talking the other day in the office uh, that, you know, people look at where folk are now and they think they know how that person's been or how, where they came from. And we started telling stories. My sister was in there and we started telling stories uh, about time where we had to eat bologna without bread. I don't know. People pretend like they've been there. Well, all we had in the house was bologna. So my sister was always trying to take care of her little brother. So she'd fry it in a pan and call it a hot meal. Uh, and and there, there, there are people who've been poor and people who haven't been poor. You can't look at somebody now and, and tell just because where they are. Listen, I didn't get from where I was to where I am overnight. A lot of years and a lot of blessing of the Lord and, and, and a lot of decisions that God allowed wisdom to come to place. But this man, uh, uh, so many people think, oh, you, the so-and-so could never relate to me because they've got money and, and uh, I'm poor. Listen, you don't know where they came from. 
Stop judging people based on their money. If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. Stop judging people based on your perception of their money. Because there's some people that are look, dressing big and driving big that's broke as a joke. Uh, when, when my kids were smaller, we, we, uh, we live in a nice neighborhood, and there are people with Lamborghinis and, and, and Ferraris, and, and, and my kids say, Dad, so-and-so's dad drives a Ferrari, and they live in a 5,000-square-foot house. Uh, they got money. I said, well, you don't know that, son. I know one thing they got. They got debt. They might be drowning in it. They might be about to go bankrupt and foreclosed and repoed. But you, you stop judging people based on your perception of their money. If you could quit being jealous and envious and bitter about what other people have, maybe God would let you have some more. Uh, if you could quit being envious, jealous, and judgmental about what you think other people have, maybe you could start being happy in what you have. And I'm going to go ahead and give you my speech because here's the reality. Whether you live in a mansion or whether you live in a starter home, whether you live in a single wide or in a double wide, or whether you sleep in the ditch under a bridge at night, you, you, you still have a God who loves you, put a heart that beats in your body, and lungs that draw air in your chest, and you ought to be thankful for everything that God has done for you. And I don't believe anybody that won't take care of their one-bedroom apartment deserves a two-bedroom apartment. If you want to do better, you got to do better. If you want to get better, you got to be good with what you have. God loves a spirit of excellence, and God wants to see you do best with what you have because we only have this one life to live, and I want you to start maximizing every day of your life. Lazarus, there's only so much he could do. Every one of us right now are in better shape than this guy was. Nobody laid you in that chair today. Your body is not covered in sores today. This guy had it bad. Say bad. Verse 22 says, finally, comma. I always tell you, pay attention to the punctuation. When you read the Bible, pay attention to the punctuation. It'll help you understand it better. Take the Bible in bite-sized pieces so you can understand it. Finally, hey, there's a finally coming for everybody. Finally came for the rich man. Finally came for the poor man. Finally came for the brother dressed big. Finally came for the man covered in sores. There's a finally moment coming for everybody. And verse 22 says, finally the poor man died and was carried by the angels to be with Abraham. Now, I don't know what you know about theology, but that sounds pretty good from here. Now, if, if you die, there, there, there's, 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 a, there's a up and there's a down. And this says that the poor man died and was carried with, by the angels to be with Abraham. Then the next verse, uh, sentence says, the rich man also died and was buried. Now, I don't want to get deep teaching today. I want to get through the end of this uh, so we can get to where we're going. But it said the poor man died and went to be with Abraham. The rich man died and was buried. Did they bury the poor man? It doesn't tell us that they buried the poor man, but let's just think. Did they let dead bodies just stack up on the street, or you think they found some kind of way to get him in the ground? They found a way. They found a way to get him in the ground. But most theologians say the reason why his burial is not mentioned is because it was of no note. And I've seen some people who had some funerals that were of note. Uh, I've seen some people who had some funerals uh, that, that they spent more money on the funeral than the person made in their entire lifetime. Listen, they, they both died. Their bodies were both buried. One was significant and, and one wasn't. What's, what's the moral of the story, Pastor? The moral of the story is doesn't matter how, how awesome your funeral is. doesn't matter how fat your burial is. It, your life matters more than your, than your burial. Listen, I, listen look, young girls, hear me good on this. Young, young men, hear me good on this. I know y'all want uh, the whole nine yards. And listen, any, any girl that wants to get married, go, go talk to my sister. Uh, she, she had the whole horse-drawn carriage. She had the whole archway. She had everything. She had the whole 12-course reception meal. Uh, wave your hands so they all know where to come. See how, how, you know, how, how to go deep in debt for a marriage. Uh, a wedding. Um, listen, hear me good. Young girls don't always understand this, but I need you to. And the man that you want to marry needs you to understand this. The wedding is not as important as the marriage. 
It's one day. But I want to be a princess. No. Unless your mother is a queen and your father, I, we are all kings and queens. Once again, no. If you were a king or you were a queen, you would have a kingdom. No king is without a kingdom. So if you can't show me your kingdom, don't quote kingly on me. Listen, but I want to be a prince. Listen, you can be a princess in your mind. They don't love this at all, Sonia. They don't love this at all. I've seen people that cared more about that one two-hour ceremony than they cared about the next four years they were going to spend with that brother before they divorced him. It's okay to have a nice wedding. If you want to have a nice wedding and you want to get all dressed up, that's all fine. Talk to my sister. She can show you how to do it upright. But listen, life, the way you live, is more important than how big a funeral you have. There might be one person at my funeral. There might be ten. I don't care how many people come because, listen, I'm going to be happy in heaven no matter what. It's about destination. Say destination. So, so they both had a life. They both had a death, but their final destination was very different. Verse 23 says, And his soul went to the place of the dead. There in torment he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. Now, there's some disagreement theologically among theologians as to whether or not this is contextually a parable as are the other stories in this section of St. Luke's Gospel or is this a factual account because parables don't typically give the name of the person here being Lazarus. Now, whether it's a parable or whether it's a factual account, we get into some figurative speech. Everything written down in the Bible is not literal, although you should always take the Bible literally unless it's obvious that it is being figurative. And we're going to see some figurative speech right here because God wants to make a point. The Bible says we have all these stories for our examples so we can learn from it. So the beggar died. He goes to Abraham's bosom, also called paradise, also called the, the abode of the souls of the righteous dead. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the rich man died, and he, uh, he was in torment, and he sees Abraham in the distance with Lazarus at his side. Now, I want you to understand, which man died? Which man went to hell, the poor man or the rich man? The rich man went to hell. Which man went to heaven, the poor man or the rich man? Now, it's not just this story that has caused bad thinking in the world. It's greed, it's pettiness, it's covetousness, it's jealousy. But there is a movement in the world, especially in America, where there are a lot of people that think the rich folk are inherently bad. And poor people are inherently good. The rich man did not go to hell because he was rich. And the poor man did not go to hell because he was poor. There's so many people that demonize people with money and glorify people without money that we've lost sight of real theology. Do you realize in the Bible that the richest people in the Bible were those that followed God? Mm, got quiet in here. I mean, it got so quiet in here that you could hear a roach poot. <laughs> Abraham was the richest man alive on the planet. He, he was a friend of God. Job was the richest man alive on the planet in his day. He was the closest man to God. Joseph was, was uh, second only in wealth to Pharaoh. And, and he was closer to God than anybody on the planet. You, you can look in the New Testament at Aquila and Priscilla, at Dorcas, at Barnabas. There have been some very rich people that serve God. If you're part of that mindset that says rich folk are bad and poor folk are good, I want to introduce you to some poor people I know. Hear me good. There's good people and there's bad people, and their money doesn't determine where that lays. There, there's a group of people out there that just want to take from rich folk and give to poor folk. Let me tell you what kind of people those are. Ignorant and lazy and jealous and bitter and ungodly and unbiblical. You want to see God's plan? Look, look at the talents. God took from the one who had the least and gave it to the one who had the most because the one who had the most did with it. So let me ask you this. What are you doing? I'm not asking you how much you have. I'm asking you what are you doing with what you have? Well, I don't have anything. We'll get some. 
Mm, that's a different message for a different time. But there are, pe- there are people in this room that literally believe. And I've heard people say, well, the only way them people got rich is on our backs. You don't have any money on your back. Let, let, let's just use me. I can't get, I can't get rich off you. If you're poor, how you going? I can invent something. I can't sell it to you if you're broke. How you going to get rich off you? Now, all rich people got rich off poor folk. No, rich people primarily got rich because they sold something that middle class people wanted, poor people couldn't afford. Mm, we don't want to lessen in economics. So we'll stay with theology. Both people had a life. Both people had a death, but they had a very different destination. Listen to verse 24. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity! Exclamation point. Always pay attention to the punctuation. This dude is in trouble, and he is begging for pity. Listen, you think he showed the, the Lazarus any pity in his lifetime? Lazarus was laid at this man's gate just begging for crumbs. This rich man was busy doing his thing. This don't make him evil because he was rich. It made him evil because he wasn't loving. It don't make him evil because he was rich. It makes him evil because he wasn't generous. It don't make him evil because he was rich. It made him evil because he didn't love God and he didn't love people. He says, have some pity. I want to tell you this. The Bible says you reap what you sow. Some of you bitter, mean, judgmental, critical folk out there always bashing people, always talking bad about people, your day's coming. The Bible says if you want mercy, you got to show mercy. If you want forgiveness, you got to give forgiveness. And this guy, he, listen, I'll just let you know. He's asking for pity. Here's a little secret. He ain't going to get none. He ain't going to get none. He ain't going to get none. Why? Because, after, listen, when your current life is over, when, when, you, when your future death has happened, all the decisions are already made. See, we make decisions on this side of eternity, not on the other side of eternity. We make decisions on this side of eternity. God makes pronouncement on the other side of eternity. This man messed up. He was rich, but he wasn't smart about eternity. And he says, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in these flames. Now, this dude, is, he, he's, he, got, he got nerve, I'll tell you that. I could have said something else. He's got, he got a lot of nerve uh, to, to ask for somebody that he didn't do nothing for to come help him. But we see people like that all the time. We see people like that. We see people come to church, ask somebody who, who's at the church a lot. Ask, ask Dina, ask somebody who's been at. We have people come by the church all the time. Is the pastor in? Mm-hmm. Sit down in front of me and uh, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and you know, I, I was working, but as soon as it starts with I was working, but I know where we're going. Or as soon as it starts with, uh, you know, I, 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 I've got a, a grandchild that needs medication. I know where it's going. And so it's blah, 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 and they know if they can get to the pastor, he's a soft touch. And they probably, that's why they had to take it out of my hands. Everybody came to church. I just used to write them a check. I can't write checks anymore. I gave away too much money to poor people. We had to get a finance committee and, 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 and put some rules on it because people were taking advantage of us. And the Bible says not to cast your pearl before the swine. So I had to realize my weakness uh, just, just to give away money. Uh, but so they're always coming and they're putting it to, and I always take it to this. Uh, do you have a church home? Have you asked your pastor? Have you went to your church? For help? Oh, I don't do that church thing. You're in a church. You're doing the church thing right now. Nah, I, 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 I ain't about all that church life. I, I, you know, I got my own hookup. I'm like, well, why don't you get your hookup to pay your light bill? 
people want to come and take. People want to come and get when they didn't give. And I want to tell you something. One of the things that I love about local churches is it creates a family feel. It creates an atmosphere of love and acceptance. And there are people in this room that could get my last. Uh, I, I, I can promise you this. Uh, I, I'm picking on Jessica because it's her birthday. Jessica can't go hungry with me alive. She, she's fed me and my children too many times. She, she can't be broke. She can't be homeless. I got a roof. She could, her and her family come sleep under my roof. It just could never be that way because I didn't know her from nobody until uh, we, we met each other in this church. And, and she loves the same God I love. And, 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 and she's raising uh, crazy teenagers like I'm raising crazy teenagers. And we, 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 you know, we became family to each other. And that's a great thing. There are people in this room that wouldn't let me starve to death. I'm never going to have to go to some stranger named Pastor I don't know you and ask him to get my light bill paid. And if you love God and you love people and you get involved in a local church, you're never going to have to go to a stranger and ask them for anything because you'll have people in your life that will care about you. This dude didn't have that figured out. Maybe if he'd have been nicer, maybe he wouldn't have ended up where he was. Maybe if he'd have been more loving and more giving. Maybe, maybe if he'd have opened his eyes and, and accepted Christ and listened to Lazarus. Listen, there's some poor people out there that can tell you about things you don't know. Lazarus knew about God. He never took the time. This rich man never took the time to ask Lazarus about the God that he loved. But now the, now the rich man, he's begging. Now, he's he gone from being on top to being on bottom. And listen, don't get it twisted because some of y'all are so bitter about being on bottom, you can't wait till you're on top and somebody else is on bottom. That's not a Christian theory. That's just a bitter hater theory. There's, there's nothing biblical about that. And, and, and rich people ain't the devil and poor people ain't righteous. And rich people ain't righteous and poor people ain't the devil. Good and bad come in all shapes and sizes. In this story, the rich man happens to be unsaved and the poor man happens to be saved. But the rich man is doing like most lost people do when they're in a jam. They want people they never helped out to come help them. In verse 25, but Abraham said to him, son... Remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. Now, because this story isn't a hundred chapters long, it doesn't go into why Lazarus is where he is where he is and why the rich man is where he is, but we understand through the bulk text theory that you've been taught coming to this Bible church that the bulk text in the Bible says that only saved people go to heaven and only lost people go to hell. Now, if Lazarus is in heaven, he must be what? Saved. If the rich man is in hell, he must be what? Unsaved. So, it has nothing to do with their money. It's just here proving a point. And he says, now Lazarus is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. Verse 26 says, and besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. I believe all this conversation is figurative, metaphorical, uh, to prove a point, to teach a point to us. Listen, when you get to hell... You're not going to be able to look across the gulf and talk to Abraham. When you get to hell, you're not going to be able to see to the other side because the Bible tells us that hell is out of darkness and it's complete isolation. You're not going to be in hell with your friends and there's not going to be a party to go to. You're going to be in torments with an S, that word is plural, outer darkness, isolation, on fire. Hearing those screams of other people, listen, you want to know what they do to the worst offenders in prison? You want to know what they do to the ones that they really want to punish the hardest? They put them in isolation. Now, to me, that sounds kind of cool. I was talking to Seth about that just yesterday. I was letting him know, man, if I ever got blocked up again, I thank God I ain't been to jail since I've been saved. That's a blessing. Uh, hallelujah. That's progress. Uh, I went multiple times unsaved, but I have never been to jail since I got saved. But if I ended up going back to jail and they wanted to put me in another 16-man cell with 15 brothers uh, named Jamal. Listen, if they want to put me in a cell with 15 brothers named Bubba, I matter none to me. I, I just volunteer for isolation. I told Seth, I just I throw punch a guard, take a quick beat down and get a room, a private room. Amen. 
This is a little tip for y'all going to jail. Throat punch a guard. You're going to get about four of them jump on you. They're going to beat you down severely. There ain't no cameras rolling in Duval. Uh, they're going to put it on you hard. Uh, but then you get a private room. You get your own bed. Turn down service at five, three meals a day. <laughs> but isolation is a punishment that they put the worst offenders there because if you stay alone for too long, your mind will slip away from you. And these are, this is what the Bible tells us that hell is. So this, this, this conversation is just for the purpose of teaching us something. It, it's not a literal conversation. It's a figurative conversation. But, but the, the truth, the point that's being taught is no one can cross over to where you are and you can't come here. Once, once you die, if you go to heaven, you can't go down into hell and help anybody. If you die and you go to hell, you can't have anybody come and help you. I need you to understand there's a current life, a future death, and a final destination. In verse 27, the rich man, he don't like the answer. Uh, see, it says, then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home. For I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they won't end up in this torment. Okay, so the rich man, he dies. He goes to hell. He's on fire. He's burning up hot. He's miserable. He's in anguish. He's in torment. He, he, he just wants, listen, dude has no sense at all. Now, if I'm, in, if I'm on fire in hell, you really think all I want is some, for you to dip your finger in, in some water and touch it to my tongue? No, I'm going to need a fire hose. I'm going to need a hook and ladder, a fire company 27 rolling up on me, hosing me off, and all the heat around me. But this guy, he realizes he's not going to get any help for himself, and so then he realizes all my brothers are coming to the same place I'm coming to, I've come to. All my family is unsaved too. So now he starts trying to negotiate the plan of salvation. And he says, I want him to go warn my brothers so they don't end up in this place of torment. Verse 29 says, Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. And I'm not going to take time to get into this heavy, but I want to tell you something. Most lost people want a side deal with God. This man realized it was too late for him, so he's trying to cut a side deal with God for his brothers. And God sent me here today to tell you this emphatically. There are no side deals with God. There is no side deal with God. You don't have an extra hookup with God. God's not going to do something special for you. The Bible says he's no respecter of persons. What he does for one, he does for all. And when this man says, hey, can I get a little side deal? Can you send somebody extra special to go tell my brothers so they don't end up in hell? He says they've got Moses and the prophets. And they can read what they wrote. I want to tell you something. If you don't come to God, God's way, then hell will be your portion. If you don't come to God in advance, by faith, based on what this book says, then you will have no hope. And God does not make side deals for salvation. God made one deal. 2,000 years ago on the cross where Jesus Christ became sin for us so that we could be made right with God. He's trying to get a side deal. In verse 30, the Bible says, the, the rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. He's still trying to get a side deal. And there are lost people in this room and around the world today that have thought in their mind and said, well, if God's really real, why don't he write it in heaven in a cloud and tell me to get saved? God's not making a special deal for you. God is not desperate for people to get saved. God's not desperate for more people to come to heaven. God's not desperate for followers. Listen, God is not lonely. I heard somebody say one time, God created man to put him in the garden because God was lonely. God has never been lonely. Eternity works in both directions. When we as humans think about eternity, we think about eternity going forward, but eternity also goes backwards. There's an eternity in the future and there's an eternity past. And God existed without a man in the garden forever. Not just a billion years, for all the years 
forever and ever and ever. And God is not desperate for you to get saved. Hear me good. Get saved God's way. Or he's got a spot for you. Get saved God's way or you will go to hell forever. That's the option. Many of you don't like it. Many of you don't believe it. And many people don't preach about hell anymore because those snowflake liberals get too weak and too offended. No, he said, I'm going to hell. You are going to hell. Don't you want somebody to warn you? If you're about to drive off a cliff, shouldn't somebody tell you? Uh, who are you to say, I'm going to hell? I'm nobody. I'm the messenger. I'm just telling you what the book says. The book says Jesus is the only way to heaven. And if you don't choose that, there's no side deal. God's not going to show you handwriting on the wall. God's not going to write it on the sky. God's not going to send you a special messenger. God says that they got the book to listen to. He said, no, but they're not going to do that. No, my brothers won't come to church. Listen, y'all shut up, please. Uh, hey, do me a favor. You, sit right there. Nope, right there. Nope, front row. You, sit right there next to that bald-headed man. Got the whole church staring at two people in the room where God is trying to get somebody out of hell. Scoot down, he don't want to be all that. Thank you. I can't believe I'll never come. You wasn't going to come back no way. You think I'm going to let two people distract 120 people from hearing the word of the Lord? Are you out of your mind? We're dealing with serious business right now. How many people believe it's serious business whether or not these young boys go to heaven or hell? And everybody else in this room is serious business for all of us. There is no side deal. You come God's way or you don't get let in at all. This man's saying, oh, no, man, my brothers won't hear no preacher. My brothers ain't going to listen to Moses and the prophets. They, they need extra. I got news for you. You might get extra sauce on your chicken sandwich at Popeye's, but you're not getting extra deal from God. God made one deal, and this is the deal God made. He said he would take all of your sin from you. He would send his son to die for you because the Bible says that the penalty for sin is death. Jesus died on the cross so we don't have to be separated. Jesus was separated from God. Read the gospel story where Jesus hangs on the cross and cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God looked away from his son because his son took Scott Becker's sin and your sin on him. And God's eyes are too pure as to look on sin. The deal that God has made to get people into heaven is final. This man said, oh, no, man, they ain't going to come to church. Let me tell you, let me give it to you in 2020 the way I feel it. Uh, uh, translation, what Abraham said. They can hear the book or they can go to hell. Let, 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 me, let me tell you how, how, how I feel it. He said, tough. But they're not going to come to church and hear. They're not going to read the Bible and come the Bible way. Oh, well. But they're not going to listen to the preacher. They're not going to listen to the scripture. They're not going to come to salvation the way all the other millions of people in the history of the world have come to salvation. Oh, well. There's no side deal. Abraham didn't say, oh, bet. I got you. I got you, dog. I got you. Oh, yeah. Bet. I'm, I'm going to send five people over there right now. One for each one of your brothers. Go sit down, hold their hands, massage their feet, tell them how great and wonderful they are. And, 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 and No, it doesn't work like that. We have had the prophets come to tell us what would happen. We have had Jesus come to show us what did happen. We have a New Testament to tell, show us what happened. And we either choose to believe it or we don't. Verse 31 says, Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. They won't listen to, you, you want a side deal with them? You want a side hustle with them? He said that they can hear it from the book or they won't come at all. This means, come on. You got nine people looking at you thinking, he's looked at her four times. Y'all just trying to work me out of, out of my salvation today, all y'all. Hear me good. 
Abraham said if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even if someone rises from the dead. Every word of God is true. People sitting back thinking, well, if God had just showed me a sign, you wouldn't believe. Well, if God had just do this, you wouldn't change your mind. Here, here, if you don't want to love God, you ain't going to love God. If you don't want to accept Jesus Christ into your life, you're not going to accept Jesus Christ into your life. If you don't want to be who God created you to be, then you will not be that. Here's the sad reality that you don't want to accept. If that's the choice you make, you're going to spend forever in hell. And you're going to be like this fool here. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. The rich man didn't think there was a God. He was too busy living his life. He was too busy doing him. Listen to me, all you I'm going to do me people. You better stop doing you. And start doing what God created you to do. Before you have that, once that future death becomes your current death, all the choosing has been done. You got one life to live. You got a big choice to make. We spend so much time wondering about choices, thinking about choices as human beings. What am I going to do when I get older? What am I going to do now that I'm old? What am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with that? What what if this person wins the election? What if that person? Listen, there's lots of choices, but none of them are as important as where you choose to spend eternity. I'm going to let you know today. You got one life to live and a big choice to make. Do you want to go to heaven? Or do you want to go to hell? Now, here's the reality. With a setup like that, I can remember when I was young, I was in the third grade. And the preacher preached a message like that. And he said, if you don't want to go to hell, walk down here and pray this prayer. And I'm thinking, well, I ain't stupid. I just look this way. I, I, so I walked down the aisle and I prayed the prayer. But it didn't save me. Why? Because God said that you'll only find him when you search for him with your whole heart. You don't, get, you don't get real salvation trying to chase fire insurance from God. You don't get real salvation trying to chase get out of jail free with God. You don't get real salvation just because you're in a bind and you want life to get better from God. You only get real salvation where you come to a place in your life where you're willing to say, God, I'm ready to give up on me and embrace everything that you have for me. I'm really ready for you and you alone. And there's some people that need to make that decision today. Everything else is a distraction. The Bible asks a rhetorical question, what shall it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? We got people worried about who's going to win this championship, who's going to win that championship, who's going to win this election, who's going to win that election. We got people worried about the price of stocks and bonds and gas and homes and all, uh, everything else under the sun. All that's a distraction. Do you know for sure that if today is your last day, on this planet. Do you know for sure that you will go to heaven? Let me just ask you this way. If you died today and you stood before God, or if the world ended today and you stood before God and he said, why should I let you into heaven? What are you going to say? What are you going to tell him? Because I was a good person. Being good can't get you to heaven. Because I went to church, going to church can't get you to heaven. Because I tried my best, trying can't get you into heaven. The only acceptable answer is because I believe that Jesus died for me, was buried and rose again and I confessed my sins and I repented of my sins and I accepted the payment Jesus made for me on the cross if you are not saved you have no access to heaven but you can fix that see the rich man couldn't fix that he had his life he had his death And his destination was final. Everyone in this room, you have a life right now and death is coming. And your destination is final. The good news is, if you don't like your destination right now, you can change it. If you don't like where you know you're heading, you can change it. And it's not hard. You don't have to crawl on broken glass. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. See, everybody believes in Jesus. Jesus is the most documented human figure in human history. More books have been written about Jesus Christ, more documentation on the life of Jesus Christ than any one person that ever lived. 
I'm more certain that there was a Jesus than there was a George Washington. Okay? There's more empirical data to prove Jesus lived on this planet than any other human being. Everybody believes in Jesus. Our calendar is based on Jesus. The fact that it's the year 2020 is based on what Jesus split time in half. It's, it's time kept before he was alive and time kept since he was born. Before Christ and in the year of our Lord. So, of course, everybody believes that there is a Jesus, but everybody doesn't believe that he died, was buried, and rose from the dead. That's where the difference happens. Do you believe that he knows who you are, that he died for your sins, and that he rose from the dead so you could have life? You don't have to have all your theology right. Here's all you have to do. All you have to do is know that you need God. And the Bible says if you call out to him in sincerity, he will save you. There's so many people in this room that need salvation today. Some of you have walked aisles and prayed prayers before and claimed salvation before, but you know in your heart you ain't saved. Why would you leave today in such uncertain times, drive-by shootings, massive car accidents, hurricanes, tornadoes, wildfires? why, Why would you risk everything? Are you really just so proud to be on your way to hell that that's what you want to keep doing? When God says you can come to him, and ask him to save you any time you want to. God went so far as to say, if you hear him calling, don't put it off. Some of you right now, your heart, your, your heart is, is quickening. You, you, you know the uneasiness in you. You know that you need to get saved today. Why would you put it off? The rich man put it off. He thought he had it covered. But he came up short. Don't come up short when it comes to eternity. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray in the midst of all this spiritual resistance in this place today that you would by your spirit break every yoke of bondage. God, I pray that you would enlighten the minds of those who are unsaved. Open their eyes and let them see the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.